Welcome to Women of Character, Barrier Busters. This podcast is brought to you by the TurkNet Leadership Group. I'm Ann Quiello, Senior Consultant at TurkNet and an Executive Coach and host of today's podcast. At TurkNet, we support leaders to figure out their goals and then find the right paths to achieve them. In this podcast series, I explore how women build and sustain character in all kinds of challenging contexts. For example, the challenges women face in the workplace during the pandemic, ongoing issues of equality and inclusion, letting go of self-limiting beliefs, and a whole lot more. We'll get their insights to how they persevered and achieved amazing heights. today I'm talking with Jacqueline Merrill, who has a remarkable story to tell of overcoming a growing up experience which might have led to a very different outcome as it has for so many. You're going to hear her amazing journey that ultimately led her to create a nonprofit organization, His Soul Sanctuary. His Soul Sanctuary is a nonprofit whose mission is to ensure every young adult that ages out of the foster care system can join society prepared to lead a successful life. Now, uh, to lead a successful life is pretty elusive to several who have experienced the foster care system. I didn't, I, I had no idea um, that 80% of all those incarcerated have been in the foster care system. And those who have aged out of the foster care system are not likely to have any income during the first four years after uh, coming out of the foster care system, and if they do, on average, they make only $7,500 a year, so they're pretty much condemned to poverty. You know, these statistics seem insurmountable, but I'm pleased to say not to Jacqueline, Jacqueline Merrill. So I want to bring in Jacqueline. Uh, she is the president and founder of His Soul Sanctuary, uh, so welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. That sounds so good to me. I'm so glad to be here with you today. Well, we are too. And and as we, or as I've gotten to uh, know Jacqueline, uh, even just in the last few minutes, my gosh, she's got so <laughs> much going on. Um, owner and leader of a band, of a mm-hmm. musical band and performing tonight. Yes. Writing a book, raising four children, <laughs> 16-year-old today's who's today is her birthday, so trying to get all that together. So we are really uh, happy that you could come here and spend a little bit of your time with us. Um, So I understand, Jacqueline, that it was your experience of being given up um, at only three weeks old by your mother and all that followed that really shaped your purpose to help those who aged out of the foster care system. What can you tell us specifically about your experience that served as your inspiration? Um, Well, I began to wonder, how did I make it? Um, As I started to achieve accomplishments that I'm pretty much had been told, you're never going to make it. You're not going to be able to do this. You're not going to be able to accomplish this. I I wonder, how, how did I make it? And how can I figure that out so I can help people that are like me, um, the motherless child? And as I sifted through my journey, I realized that um, I I did have a family experience. Um, And I had the opportunity through that family experience to directly um, 
or indirectly see what it was like to love your children. For example, I might not have been loved the same as the other children, but I saw how mom loved her children, how she showed up for them. Um, directly, she taught me how to cook. She taught me how to keep the house clean, um, that you have to be there for your children. You got to get up in the mornings when you don't want to. You have to put dinner on the table. And when I realized that it was because of what I saw and how I applied it, I started to try to work on how can I take that and actually give that to someone else? How can I teach compassion? How can I show someone consistency? Because when you have those things, apparently it works out, right? Um, but a lot of the children in the foster care system, they don't have it. And also security. I would think having a sense of security, that has to be a big thing. So many who have not experienced that sense of security, the consistency, which I would think provides that security, having the consistency. So Tell me more about the consistency part. What do you mean by that? Well, when I was coming up, um, they adopted me. My great aunt and my great uncle, they adopted me into the family. And I did start my own family young and moved out. I, I moved around a little bit. But there was always this one thing that I knew. I always knew the house number where I grew up. And I also always knew that I could call it if I needed to. Um, I wasn't, I'm not the type of person to call, but it's something about knowing that I had someone there if I needed them, regardless of anything, they would take me in, they would take my kids in, they would be there. And so being able to provide that consistency where I am available, I am there for you. If you need me that late night text, I'm going to respond that call you need. I'm going to answer that you need somebody to show up for you, I'm there. I'm going to advocate for you. It's something about having that consistency and that support and that security that helps you develop into who you need to be. Because if you're like, if I fall, it's over. You carry that weight. But you're like, if I fall, I know I can call Jacqueline. I know I can call an aunt. I know I can call my caseworker. You need to have that person that provides that consistency for you. Now that makes absolute sense. I know that foster parents do a phenomenal job, mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm curious, and, and I would think that in the foster care system, while there are many, many amazing foster care parents, there is something just about the system itself that can interrupt that consistency, especially if you're moved from one foster home to another. Um, but when, do, when does a child age out of the foster care system? And then what typically happens to them? Where do they go? Well, in most states, when you turn 18, you age out of the foster care system. And in previous years, it was basically, you're an adult, you're out. Um, now they have, like in Georgia, extended the program to your 21. But the problem with that is the experiences of being in foster care. And, and it's not necessarily the system. The system was designed to house children until they were adopted or reunified with their parents. It wasn't designed to teach them skills. It wasn't designed to provide these things. It was supposed to be temporary. But sometimes you don't get adopted, and sometimes you're not reunited with your family. And so those children rather end up in group homes, which 
Sometimes that is the safer route, but majority of them end up on the streets homeless because they do not have a high school diploma or a GED, and they haven't learned any skills like your dad teaches you how to fix cars or your mom teaches you how to bake um, cakes cakes, cakes and cookies so that you can sell them. So they they go to prison. Um, Like you said, the 80% of the population in prison has dealt with the foster care system at some point because... What's left? You can only rob people, steal items, um, kill, um, sell your body. Um, a lot of girls end up sex trafficked. Um, it's just not a lot of options out there for them. So when you see those homeless people on the side of the road and you're wondering, what did they do to get there? Most of them never had a chance. Well, that that's really a sad, sad scenario. So... In describing the impetus for starting His Soul Sanctuary, which is designed to help children who've aged out, um, your website says what she had seen as troubles were more like lessons. What do you mean specifically by that? Well, a lot of things have happened in my life. Um, Sexual abuse. I mean, I was in a marriage that had the abuse factor. Um, My first child Um, special needs my second child I buried him and those things on top of my mom doesn't want me um, was destroying me but I still had my first daughter I still had to um, be there for her and I started to look back at the things that I had been through and like were they really troubles or were they lessons to prepare me for what is to come I started to assess him. Maybe I'm chosen. Maybe he knew, the higher power knew that I could handle it, that I would get up every single time and keep going. And not only that, tell someone else my testimony, like, girl, you can make it through it. I made it out. Um, I, I healed from sexual trauma. And when my daughter was faced with the situation, I had equipped her that I was informed and I was able, actually able to prosecute. So those things kind of come in handy when you stop looking at them like, oh, I went through this and, oh, the sorrows, but you made it through it. You have to ask yourself, why? It's because you had to get that lesson. You can't teach anyone if you haven't been through anything. You can't grow if you haven't been through anything. So it sounds like you saw gifts and opportunities where others might have seen, just been overwhelmed and overcome. So phenomenal, phenomenal. Well, when did you decide, I'm going to create an organization to help this uh, group of people? Uh, May 2020. I want to say maybe it was March. Um, I was taking a walk um, at a retreat in Blue Ridge and um, just speaking to the spirit. And, I mean, I heard it so clearly, like, this is what you're supposed to do. I mean, I wasn't 100% sure. I knew I was supposed to help someone that had been through what I've been through, but I hadn't narrowed it down. Um, When I realized that, oh, wow, a lot of these children end up in foster care. I mean, I turned 17, I emancipated myself, got my own apartment, got my own job, went a total different route. So I was like, okay, I think I need to create something. I called a couple people like, listen, I think I'm supposed to start this nonprofit and help children who were like me, because that's all I said in the beginning. So during research and finding out 
who are who are the people that are like me um is foster children and as i started to look more into it um it's the steve jobs it's the oprah winfrey um it's uh, anita baker so many people that didn't have a mother didn't have a stable home were sexually abused were addicted to drugs homeless james brown they survived they made it and i was like oh okay so if i give them these children this youth like who i was what all of us had which was that person to come in and give us the family experience that aunt that came and saved you and brought you in the friend's mom who let you stay there so you can finish school i was like oh i need to provide that and so by may we were officially a nonprofit. Um, we had a whole team within a year. Um, the second year we were building, we got our own office. Um, I was funding it myself, <laughs> um, wow. just depending um, on God, like, hey, you know, this is this is due. Um, but um, as time progressed, we received grants, things I paid for became free. And now we are um, moving into engagement. So we have our first group um, of youth that will actually be serving for Christmas. So from the point where it was just an idea to now, I'm literally blown away myself. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's a lot to happen in what, 18 months? 18 months. That is amazing. So how would you, or it, would you do anything differently? Um, not one single thing. Um, because I, I pray about everything. Um, I listen to the trusted people around me, um, their feedback, their suggestions. I mean, I'm at I'm at Turnkit, and Tino um, is my mentor. Um, when he, I heard him speak, I knew he knew what he was talking about. So just the journey has been so beautiful. The people that I have met, the opportunities that have come, like the partnership with Jackson Healthcare, like. So no, I wouldn't do one single thing different in my life or with this journey. Wow. Wow, that is amazing. Well, uh, what, how would you describe the model that you're using uh, to help mold these young adults uh, toward a greater chance to be successful? Um, I guess the simple version would be, first, we want to know who you are. Um, we have personality testing. Um, we have our own portal for testing to figure out you know, what's their personality types? Who are they? And engaging in that conversation. Who are you? While letting them know who I am and, you know, the whole purpose of this. and But mostly who I am because I identify directly with them. And we have other people in our organizations that also have experienced foster care. So, Well, um, Jacqueline, what is the model that you use to help mold these young people into being successful citizens well first the model is designed by them um so components of the model i haven't filled in because i need to hear from them and one of the things is who are you who are we um what do you need um what do you want and those consist of providing resources, teaching them how to utilize it, giving them laptops, showing them how to work them. Um, and then we goals. What goals do you want? And through them expressing, I want to be a nurse. We know we need to help with education and scholarships and making sure they have their GED. If they say, I want to have an apartment, 
then we know that that person needs to be coached on uh, how do you pay bills? How do you maintain a budget? How do you keep your house clean? How do you grocery shop sufficiently? Um, or how do you get government assistance if you need it? So it's really based off that individual need. And we have all of the different areas that we we populated in the beginning, like self-hygiene. How do you take care of yourself? Um, um, sex education. Um, knowing the importance of carrying yourself the right way and the importance of valuing your body down to how to grow vegetables and um, drink a lot of water to make sure that you maintain healthy, uh, I mean, a healthy lifestyle. So um, it depends on what we get from them. And then the model is designed to help them in that area specifically. And we have so many partners with so many different backgrounds that are ready to chime in like, oh, you want to be able to work from home because that'll help you take care of your child. That might be a goal. We have people that are prepared to not only explain how it works, the pros and the cons, but provide the opportunities as well. It sounds a lot like you just meet them where they are. And then uh, goal setting is so important. Um, and it helps, I mean, just training them on how to set a goal and then seeing it through. And, and a lot of the youth have never been asked the question, what do you want? Mm. When, if, if, if you're in a, in a home and a, foster, and a foster parent decides they can't handle you, mm-hmm. you go. They don't get to decide. You don't get to decide where you go. Yeah. You don't get to decide when you talk to your parents or when you don't or how late you, st- you don't. So asking that question in the beginning uh, is so powerful. What do you want? And I've had the response oh no one has ever asked me that before I'm always being told what's happening to me and I can imagine that's so useful to them to be able to um, be who they are and to develop that essence of who they are so you're not just you're not molding them into a particular uh, mold trying to help them individually mold their own future yes that's ma'am. beautiful all right so what does success look like then for you at uh, his soul sanctuary success for me looks like for example being able to deliver christmas to the maternity second chance home um, for christmas um, just being able to be there, being able to provide, and uh, and in the future, being able to see youth that was once lost find themselves and become the Steve Jobs, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 grow into these beautiful people. It's like I thought to myself one day. I said, "Wait, so did everybody that was abandoned um, and abused?" that had this access to this family experience I call become the superheroes that supplied our phones and computers, that uh, we play while we clean in our house, that created the shampoo that we wash our hair with or the Chanel bags. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 soon as the president is like, I went through that program. That was success. Great. Yes, 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 yes. Well, uh, so very high lofty goals for anyone that should uh, come through those doors. That's fantastic. So I understand you recently returned to a for-profit position. So you're not only uh, executive director for His Soul Sanctuary, but you're also 
uh, in a for-profit position. Yes. How did you make uh, that decision, and what's the cost of any to progressing the mission of His Soul Sanctuary? Um, Well, when you are fighting to do what's right, things happen. Um, These tests um, that I talked about, they, they show up. And since I'm past the point of seeing them as problems, um, I've learned just to to navigate through the lesson so that I don't have to waste any time. And um, my lease was up at my house on July the 31st. And my now ex-husband walked out on me and the kids while we were in an Airbnb looking for a new home because, you know, it was nothing in Atlanta at the time. And I was sitting there like, okay, I didn't even cry because I realized this is a test. Am I going to fold? Now, I don't even have enough time. I have 13 days left in this Airbnb. I got to get to action. And I said, I'm going back to work. I have to go back to work because I can't provide for the youth of my nonprofit and not the youth of my own womb. And so... Soon as um, I took him his items and literally came back into the condo, I got my first job um, opportunity. A recruiter literally sent me a message like, hey, are you looking for a position? Um, Eight positions later, (laughs) because every position came, I'm like, okay, yeah, but it's an hour away. What about the kids? Okay, this one isn't going to pay enough for me to do it on my own. And this one is the hours just aren't going to work. And every time I would write down like what I liked, and then I got the, the call from a recruiter at um, Perfect Search. And she said, hey, I want to try you out for this position. She tried me out for a position, but I knew it wasn't mine. I knew it. I, and I, I said, that isn't my position. And everyone around me said, don't say that. You always say, don't manifest. I said, this isn't about manifesting. This is about knowing. So she called me back, and it wasn't. They needed someone who was vaccinated, and I wasn't at the time. So she said, your interview with us was so great. We put a team together and went through our database, and we have three jobs we want to lay in front of you. Wow. Well, they read me the jobs and the salary, hours, and I was like, yeah, that's what I want. And so I started working with Russell Reynolds and Associates firm here in Atlanta um, as an operations assistant. And even this when I look at the test of not stopping, I moved into my own home on October the 4th. I hosted Thanksgiving when I had just literally been homeless like 60 days prior, jobless, just nothing but the nonprofit that I was focused on. And <laughs> and now I'm in a place where there are CEOs, there are CFOs, there are a bunch of well-paid people that love to give back. And that's actually how we raised our money for Giving Tuesday this year is I made an announcement in a group meeting and they raised donations. So um, wow. I, I went back cause I had to, but I made sure that it was what I needed to do at the same time. I see, I see. So you formed a real partnership with, the, with that organization. Fantastic. All right. So there may be people who are listening uh, who feel also this strong sense of mission um, around perhaps starting a nonprofit, 
Uh, it's almost like being a nonprofit entrepreneur, really. Right. Uh, so what advice do you have to them? How would they even get started? Well, the first thing I would say is do your research. We have access to the Internet, so you have access to everything. In the state of Georgia, you literally can go online and fill out the paperwork. It's simple, or you can hire a company for $140, and they'll form everything for you. Get you some support. Start telling people about what it is that you want to do and believe that you will cross paths with many people that believe in just that, what you want to do. Um, and then just do it. I mean, you have to believe. You have to just do it. I mean, I didn't work for seven months to just focus on executing the nonprofit, um, making sure we had a website. I built our website. I created our logo. I applied for all of our Google grants. And I, I, I just went around creating relationships. And, I, I mean, I called Keith Jennings at um, Jackson Healthcare, and I said, hey, you don't know me, but um, will you talk to me? And he's like, sure, I'll talk to you. And I told him what I was doing. He believed in me, and then we moved into their building. But you just have to believe. You have to make that phone call, ask for that donation, fill out that paperwork. Uh, it's pretty much all about action. Well, what strikes me, Jacqueline, is that you have such a sense of purpose and a real passion around that purpose um, that has helped to motivate you and to be able to articulate that with people has has helped them to get on board and feel and want to feel a part of your mission or your purpose and your passion. Have I got that right? Absolutely. My story has a lot to do with it because here I am, you know, I'm like I said, raped, molested, bearing a child, um, had to have an emergency hysterectomy for endometriosis. I walked around with that pain forever. Um, my special needs daughter, the divorce from near dad, and it's just you know, all of these things, right? But I'm sitting here, and I'm happy, um, and I'm content, and I'm still moving forward with my purpose. And when people, they're like, you went through what? And you, oh, man. And a lot of people say, now I'm looking at the things I've been through, like maybe it wasn't so bad. Mm -hmm. And right there, that's the inspiration people usually need to get on board. Yes, yes. Fantastic. Well, finally, um, what should someone do if they're interested in supporting His Soul Sanctuary? How could they be supportive of your work there? Um, where our website is hissoulsanctuary.org. We are actually going through a name change because um, we wanted to create something that feels welcoming to all people of all beliefs. Um, me and Ann actually had this conversation, so when I say I listen to my feedback, I do. And so we're changing the name to the family experience. So that would be T-F-E-A-T-L dot org. So it's going to transfer over to that. It's much easier to type, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's much, much easier to type. I'm pretty sure we will increase our web traffic. Um, but also we are the family experience on Instagram, family experience on Facebook, so you can um, find us. We are definitely here in Atlanta um, ready for your support or to help you. Mm. So it all goes back to providing a family experience, a consistent one that's supportive, that's always there. That's, 
That's what I'm getting and out of all give of you this. what you need and what you want, not what I want or I think you need. That's great. That's so, so right on. All right. Well, we want to stay in touch and uh, follow, um, follow up. And, and would you be willing to come back and give us a progress report? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think this work is amazing and uh, so needed. And uh, you're a remarkable woman. Thank you. Um, you truly are a woman of character. And so thank you so much for being on our podcast. Anytime. Thank you.